Hi, everyone. Welcome to Snarky with Mike Feeney. I'm your host, Taylor Swift. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. A podcast where we have strong drinks and stronger opinions that are then fueled by the strong drinks. It's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, I'm your host. I'm here. We do this every week. We do a nice little little rant casty kind of a thing that you guys submit your questions and things, topics, things you want me to rant on to snarkypodcast at gmail.com. And I get to them because I got a lot of talking to do. I'm going to get to them. I'm joined by my trusty producer, Nicole Lyons. Nicole, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent. I had a night of drinking last night, and I think that this tequila is going to just push me. It's just going to propel me right back into that fun energy mode. So here's to hoping. Uh, and today we're drinking a margarita classic. I know we're already we're on. This is like the sixth margarita in eight episodes. But you know what? Sometimes when you got something good, you don't need to mess it up, you know, by doing something else. We will have another drink for the next episode. We are also recording back to back episodes. So if this episode this week seems on the, you know, on the level Next week's going to be an absolute disaster, I think. But it's going to be a fun one, like a fun kind of shit showy kind of a thing. Nicole, how do you think it's going to go? I agree, but I'm looking forward to the shit show. That's you know what? That's the energy I'm looking for. Classic margarita, you know it. Tequila, fresh lime juice, agave nectar, Grand Marnier, and you know you're off to the races. And so, let's get off to the races here. I talked about, I mentioned her just a moment ago, Taylor goddamn Swift. She is everywhere right now um, because she has re-recorded her album, Red, um, and it's doing even better than when it came out originally in 2012. And obviously, you know, good for her for not letting the music industry take advantage of her because they were trying to hold all the rights and she, you know, kind of was getting screwed on the deal of it. So she's like, you know what? I'll just re-record everything, re-release it. Now, boom, it's even bigger than before. So to that end, I'm like, good for you, Taylor Swift. But can we stop acting like if she didn't get out of that contract, she was going broke? Why is everybody treating this like she is not worth half a billion dollars, okay? I don't feel bad for anyone who's worth half a billion dollars. I don't care what has happened to you, what tragedy has befallen you. If you're worth half a bill, don't care, okay? She is not an underdog. Let me really hammer that home. She's not an underdog. I don't know why we uh, are kind of treating her like this because she's been in a couple rough relationships and that I'll get into in a minute. I got my big legal pad here. I've prepared my defense against Taylor Swift. It is long, it is thorough, and you're going to hear about it. All right, so let's, from the prosecution, let's take it from the very beginning. This Taylor Swift underdog just Girl next door, American girl kind of a thing she's got going on. Uh, she's not. She's not that at all. She grew up on 11 acres. That was her, the house that she grew up on, an 11-acre house. Her dad gave her the seed money to record, uh, to the record company that took Taylor Swift in, and she, he owns 3% of that company. So it's already like nepotism was at play from the very beginning. It wasn't this thing of like, Oh, she got found on YouTube through a, you know, it's not a meritocracy. She, she had a little push. And this really is all you need to know about Taylor Swift. And I think this describes her better than anything I can or will say. Her first car was a Lexus convertible. 
I mean, do you need me to say anything else? Her first car, she was born two years after me, or maybe one year after me. I think we're right around the same age. Um, I My first car was a 1988 Buick Skyhawk. I got that in 2004. 1988, it had manual windows, manual locks. I don't know if there was an air conditioning. Like the radio was just kind of like a figment of your imagination. There was, I had such a, and by the way, it's great to have a beater car as your first car. You can do whatever you want. You could just drive into guardrails. Nothing matters. It's a beater. You know, that's what you do. But if you, if you know anybody that you know that has a very nice car for their first car, spoiled, you know, like just a spoiled piece of shit. Do you know, Nicole, what was your first car? It was the family car, and it was a 2007 RAV4. Mm. RAV4. Okay, so that's like, you know, it's not flashy. You, you gotta, you can, you're good in the snow, kind of, right? I guess. It was pretty light, so it was like a life or death situation sometimes. A roll, that was like, that's a rolling car, right? That's one of those that can roll. Yeah, that, so again, a Lexus convertible. You're like, that is very, you know, and this whole thing of like, oh! <gasps> Oh my, me, Taylor, I don't how, you know, it's like she, you could tell she was probably a mean girl at the private school that she went to because she went to private school. Um, but this whole idea that she's a victim is maybe the most brilliant marketing scheme that I've seen since they tried to convince us that Kristen Stewart was a good actor, you know, or since they tried to convince us that 9-11 happened, you know, it's just, it's not... <laughs> Whoops. It's not um, it's not a thing that I'm going to ever believe. And somehow the the public has been forced to believing that uh, she's some sort of a victim. And now she comes out and she does a 10 minute long version of her song trashing Jake Gyllenhaal, her ex. And if you have a 10 minute song, you're a narcissist. I mean, that's just what it is. I don't care. Who it is? It could be Almond Brothers, Fish, Grateful Dead. I don't care what band you are, Taylor Swift. If you got a ten-minute song, ten minutes. Nobody wants to hear ten minutes of any song. Any song. It could be the greatest song in the world. Ten minutes of even EDM songs are only like eight minutes long. Because they're like Jesus Christ. How how long could this go for? They know when to end things, you know. But if you have a ten-minute song of any song, you're crazy because so egotistical. So. Bye. So just get it out of there and just don't have a 10 minute song. And especially digging up the past. Now people are all over the internet trashing Jake Gyllenhaal. They're like, you piece of shit. Which brings me right to my next segment. Leave that person alone. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Listen, to give, you know, the people who hate Jake Gyllenhaal a little, a little, you know, throw them a little piece of meat here. The age gap was a little creepy. I mean, there was definitely, there was just, there was a definite age gap there that you're like, eh. But they were both consenting legal adults as far as, as I know. So this narrative that he's a piece of shit because he ghosted her is probably the exact reason that he ghosted her. Like, do you see what he's, like, he's a very private guy and people are like, oh, I bet he regrets that now. Bet he regrets fucking over Taylor Swift now. And it's like, why? Because every fear of his was proven true because they broke up and she wrote a ton of songs about it. She, you know, she wrote a, this 10 minute song about him. She's a lunatic with a giant ego who went out of her way to make their private relationship public. So yeah, I bet he really regrets ending things with a woman who nine years later is talking about that time they had sex. Like what a... 
Think about that. Everybody, and and everybody has that ex, right? Every every guy and probably every woman too has that one ex that like a week into knowing them are already talking about like what you're gonna name your kids. Do you know you know this cycle? There's always that cycle where you're like, we gotta nuke this in the not nip this in the bud. We gotta nuke this in the bud because it is going to get out of control very fast. It's like a stage five clinger situation, you know? And God forbid I, I say this about Taylor Swift and the people into a microphone. All of a sudden, um, I'm going to be, people are going to be like, you you hate women and you're double standard, you're mansplaining. No, no, no. I love women. Uh, almost all women. Just not this mouthy, overrated, egotistical, over obnoxious one named Taylor Swift. Uh, that's the only one. I tried to think of more adjectives to describe her, but they all kept kind of redundant. But uh, but you know, I don't, I don't care for her. I don't find her wildly talented. I would say I don't find her talented. I find her, uh, to be a person who you're like, yes, you're perfect for pop music. You know, like you're just good at, you know, radio songs and it's great. And like, good for you. You're going to make billions of dollars over your year, but let's just not pretend like, it's like, oh my God, everyone keeps breaking your heart. I don't know what all these people are doing to Taylor. If you have so many songs about how your exes like left you under terrible circumstances and don't talk to you anymore and don't really like you, there's a common denominator here. You know, it's probably you after a while. You know, what are the odds that everybody's out there breaking her heart left and right? You know, at one point, she's got to find one nice guy that would just shut the hell up and be her lapdog and, and take half of that money. But even then, you know. Maybe she's a little bit of crazy. Nicole, save me, please. What do you I, think? I completely agree. I yeah. really, I can't listen to it anymore. I, it's part of it is because her songs just get like abused on the radio. Abused too but much. I also of it. don't love like the songs about like being at my locker and a boy walks by because I'm 25. So it's not like anything I enjoy listening to. Yeah, but she also she's older than you. Yes. <laughs> so she's been singing about that since well. Uh, like, I, she's been doing that since she was, you know, out of college, you know, whatever. He's like, it's, it's weird. That's another weird thing is to market to kids, essentially, you know? Like, that's what she's doing. It's very strange to do that. It's kind of like how, you know, these bands, they start out when the young, Blink-182, Green Day, all this stuff, where they're like, I don't want to go to bed. Fuck my parents, you know? And then now they're 40 and they're trying to come out with new music and they're like, homework sucks. And you're like, get out of here. Just stop. Stop what you're doing and go to your kid's soccer game. All right? Because this is bad. You're, you're, losing, you're losing out on memories uh, with your kids. So Taylor Swift, dare I elevate her to the fuck that person list, Nicole? <laughs> I'm doing it. Fuck that person, Taylor Swift. Bang. The Swifties are going to descend on Snarky. Oh, this 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 is going to be ratioed like I wouldn't believe. <laughs> but you know what? I speak the truth on here, people. If you like Taylor Swift, good for you. I'm not saying don't listen to her music. I'm saying just don't call her a goddamn underdog. All right, we got to get off Taylor Swift. There's too much Taylor Swift. Let's move on to something else that's made me equally as as frustrated and angry which is that PETA, you know, the, the group, the animal protection group, uh, wants to, wants the major leagues, the major league baseball to rename the bullpen the arm barn. 
the arm barn is what they want to call it to because they say that the word bullpen, and I'm reading this quote, mocks the misery of sensitive animals and devalues players. Now, you're not going to find a person who loves animals more than me. I am doing this podcast in eyesight of my dog because I can't, I wanted to make sure he knew I was there for him even when I was recording something. And I'm constantly, if you see my eyes do this at some point, that's me checking in on him. I'm looking at him right now. He's sleeping like a goddamn angel. So I love animals, all right? Uh, I love animals more than people. And here's a great example. I was walking. uh, I was walking in New York City and I saw a dead mouse on the sidewalk and I got very sad and I went, oh. And then three feet later, I saw a homeless person who looked equally as dead. And my reaction was... This fucking city. And then I just stepped right over them because people are lower than animals to me. You know, and, and that's what it is. There's too many people and people are annoying. Animals usually not annoying. So um, I'm a big animal guy. But this thing, this bullpen mocks the misery of sensitive animals and devalues players. So we need to rename it to the arm barn. PETA makes me want to spike squirrels into a wood chipper. Like that's... I would kill animals in front of them and it would hurt me as much as it would hurt them, but it would hurt me just a little bit less because I know it would hurt them more. Um, I, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with it. It's, it's so stupid. It's idiotic. And I want to break it all. I want to break every part of that sentence down because it's worth it. First off, bullpen mocks the misery of sensitive animals. Let's go on the sensitive animals thing for a sec, shall we? Which animals are sensitive? Do, are you, do you know about a sensitive duck? Are there, are there animals that are, is a bull sensitive? And is that, is that what it is? A chicken? What, do you know any sensitive animals, Nicole? I'm trying to think more from like the angle of, are they sentient? Like they, do they even have like thoughts or feelings to process what's happening? Yeah. Uh, so I picture someone talking to a bull who is very sensitive and being like, hey, bull, I got some pretty heavy news, man. Like you're going to, this is, this is so messed up. You're going to want to, you're going to want to lie down for this because I know you don't, you know, know how to sit. Um, uh, And it's like, okay, so obviously, you know, you're aware of baseball and all the rules as a bull, of course, how wouldn't you know that, you know? Um, But apparently they've been calling the area where the pitchers warm up the bullpen. I know, I know. It's so messed up. I listen, don't don't cry because it's gonna make me start crying. It's very upsetting. I, I listen, they're not gonna get away with this. We're gonna make sure that this comes to a close. Let's go stampede them like Pamplona together and just take down the pen. It's like no bull has any idea what's going on at any point, let alone cares about what things are referred to. You could have a team name called the Bulls Balls, you know, and just have their logo could be a bull nuts in a vice grip. And the bull, guess what? Wouldn't care because a bull, you know, (laughs) they're a bull and that's all that matters. Um, Then they say they want to rename it the Arm Barn, okay? The Arm Barn is such a terrible name. A pen is a nice area to warm up in. That sounds... Arm barn, to me, sounds like something that a middle school bully does to you. You know what I mean? They give you a noogie, a purple nurple, and then they give you an arm barn. Like, that's that's what they would do. And I don't think that arm barn is necessarily better than bullpen. Like, what 
How about this? I'm going to go one step further. I think barn is offensive. How about that, PETA? Barn is straight up offensive to me. I want it renamed to affordable animal housing. That's what it needs to be called. It's bullshit. Okay, wait until PETA finds out that barns don't even have hardwood floors or beds. I mean, what are they? You're making them sleep on the ground and you're okay with that? Hmm, PETA, gotta get your shit together. Think about it, all right? And this idea that it devalues players, that was maybe the best part of it to me. To think that there was ever a player in the history of the entire sport of over 100 years that has ever expressed any sort of displeasure at being like, listen, I know I make $32 million to throw a ball once every five days for six months, but I will not be compared to a male cow, okay? This injustice will not stand. And that, I mean, PETA, you're, nobody likes you. Okay, I mean, I'll just tell you, I got the pulse of the people. I'll just tell you what we're all thinking. Nobody likes you, even animal lovers. And you know why? It's because you do too much. All right, stop doing too much. You're going crazy. You're over the top. You're fighting wars you don't need to fight. If you want to focus on an animal thing, focus on like the getting rid of like kill shelters for dogs and cats and like trying to save the whales or like, you know, some dumb, you know, venture that you can waste your time in. Do something like that. Don't worry about baseball. Baseball won't even change the name of its racist team names. You know how long that took? <laughs> they just had to cle- they're, they're renaming the Cleveland Indians, you know, and all these other things. It's the, the Cleveland, what are they called now? It's like the Cleveland, uh, I know it's the, the Washington football team from the Redskins. And then what's the Cleveland one, Nicole? Look that up. It's like the Cleveland... Guardians or something, I think it might be. It's like that took, there was so much pushback on that for decades. And now you're going to try and rename a bull. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. Is it Guardians? It is Guardians. Mm. Do I know my Cleveland sports or what, huh? All right. Um, let's get off them because I can't do it anymore. But mocks the misery of sensitive animals. I also like that idea too. They're, they're miserable. They're miserable and sensitive. You know, well, maybe if they weren't so fucking sensitive, they wouldn't be miserable. All right. Take life in stride. You're a bull. What do you got? What, do you, what problems you got? You eat, you walk around, you have sex with a few cows, you get shot in the head. You don't know what happened. Boom. You're done. That's it. It's fine. All right. Well, saying it devalues the players, too, is so backhanded because then aren't they saying like bulls are a piece of shit? So you should feel bad that we're like. Oh comparing you to that yeah you see that yeah why can't i be compared to a majestic beautiful bull how dare you you think that bulls mean less than me how dare you if anything they value the players they they pump up the volume like in the 90s and jock jams pump up the volume did i originally want to say the value i mean that's up to you to decide but definitely and instead i just said the pump up the, I can't say the words pump up the without the word volume following it because that's how the song goes. So that's how my brain goes. And that's what happens out of my mouth. So that's where we're at. And we'll move on to another topic. <laughs> um, I'll get, thank you again, people who sent in questions. We've got a bunch of those. We're going to get to them um, on the next couple episodes, which is great. I do have a couple little more gems from Skankfest that I want to talk about. We really went into um, it in a lot of detail on the Patreon, so I won't repeat any of that stuff, but uh, two quick things. Number one, 
we they had a the karaoke night the first night and Brennan Sagalow crushed doing Elton John's Can You Feel the Love Tonight and really took it like almost embarrassingly seriously. Like he very, he like held it in the mic's hand. He closed his eyes. A tear came down his face at one point because of the beauty of the song. It was, it was uncomfortable, but he, he killed it. And then uh, I had to go up and I'm like, I got to get the energy up in here. So what am I going to do? What's the number one best karaoke song of all time? It might very well be Break Stuff by Limbiscuit. Okay. And then, and this is going, this isn't, you don't do this at a karaoke bar where people are sitting watching. This has to be in a concert standing like venue because Big J Okerson, Louis J Gomez, and myself did a trio of Break Stuff. And the crowd was getting tired because it was about an hour into karaoke. People were starting to like just kind of wait. And the first verse, people are like, all right, I'm into it. But then that breakdown comes. That fun, crunchy, you know, a break your fucking face tonight part. And Lewis jumps off the stage into the crowd and just starts fighting people. Just starts a mosh pit and it looks like a, a washing machine. All of a sudden, there's just bodies and fists and hands and pushing. And there's, you know, women, everyone, everyone's getting it. And uh, it is it was so much fun. And uh, someone recorded some video of it, which I think I'll I'll try and dig up to put here. But it was it was very fun to watch. The only thing that sucked was that there was three mics on the stage, and Lewis and Jay Jay was hosting it, so he was already on the stage. And Lewis ran up on stage before I can get up there, which I think now I realize why he did that is because there were only two wireless mics, and I had a corded mic, which only extended to about halfway across the stage, which sucks if you're trying to get people excited and pumped up and you're like getting into it and you're fucking head banging and thrashing and then you're still like toink, 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 getting like tugged against the goddamn cord so it was uh it was really fun though but i think it might be one of the best karaoke songs that you could do in a crowd like setting you should have been there nicole you would have moshed I would have loved to be there. It looked hilarious, especially like watching Brendan when he fucked up one of the words in the song and just screamed fuck and interrupted himself. Made yeah. He laughed so hard. Yeah, he can't uh, he can't help himself. Um, and on Brendan, let's stay on that sack for a sec. Um, so Brendan and I took the same flight there. Mike decided he was going to go on a later flight and then get delayed a bunch of times and, you know, have a terrible day. So Brendan and I got there early. We went out for barbecue. Life was good. We're like, we'll go, we'll get a pool and a jacuzzi and a sauna and a steam room. We have ourselves a day. All right. And Brendan is staying with Mike. Mike's not there to check in yet. So Brendan doesn't have a room. So obviously he comes up to my room. He's put all of his stuff in there. Totally fine, right? So we got extra time and I go, I think I'm going to take a nap. I was like, you can you can shower in the room. You can take a nap. There's a second bed. You can take a nap. I'm going to shower, take a nap, do whatever you want to do. And he was like, great. That sounds awesome. Thank you. I just, I am, I'm going to shit. I'm going to shower and I'm going to shit. And I go, ah, bah, bah, bah. no, don't do that. I go, you're not shitting in my room. And thus began a giant argument that I need you, Nicole, and the rest of the internet to decide. Brendan didn't see the big deal of shitting in my room post-barbecue, by the way. Uh, post-barbecue shit in my room with the bathroom did not have a fan in it either. 
And I give them, I thought, I was like, look how generous I am. Put the bags down. Take a shower. Take a nap. Use the other bed. All up to you, pal. The shitting is where I draw the line. You have to go to the pool or the lobby or one of the other many, many, many bathrooms in this hotel and use that. And he was pissed about it because he didn't want to go. He's like, really, really? And I go, absolutely. And I sent him away and he went up to the pool bathroom and I guess destroyed it. But am I a bad guy for sending him away and for having the sort of the backbone to, to draw the line at, at blowing up my bathroom? Nicole, what do you think? No, I think you have to be really selective about who you would even let do that in your bathroom. Brendan, definitely not. Like, you can just kind of sense what it's going to be like from you who a person You know is. exactly what it's going to be, and none of it's good. You know exactly that it is going to be foul. It is going to, the volume will be plentiful. And I also see him as a guy who uses, like, way too much toilet paper. You know what I mean? Like, someone who really just lets the roll spin off and then kind of half gets it clogged. I just, all of that, on the off chance that he didn't have the easiest clean shit of his life, I did. I was not willing to take that chance. And he was very upset about it. Um, but I think I was 100% in the right. And I think even as a good friend, you know, he should understand that. And I think the internet, you guys, you let me know. Is this a, was that a bad guy thing to do? Or do you fully and completely 100% understand because Brendan? That's where we show a picture of Brendan. An unflattering one, too. He's going to hate it. Um, so that was that. Was that. And uh, that was that, Jack. So that was a fun thing, too, about Skankfest. It was just, it was such a great time. But again, check out the Patreon for more of the other stuff. And also, Check out Here's a Scenario. Check out Here's a Scenario. Um, it's available. every comes out every Wednesday. Nicole's our producer on that as well. And uh, we do the Patreon. We do three bonus episodes a week. Plus, you get a bonus episode of Snarky, which I do just pay. I just answer Patreon questions and rant topics. I do that. Um, sometimes they're upwards of like a half hour. So it's pretty great. So get on the Patreon. You can get there for as little as $5 a month. Patreon.com slash scenario pod. And uh, check out you know, you're, if you're watching this on YouTube while you're here, hit the subscribe button, give it a like up, leave a comment for the old algo, uh, watch my special Rage Against the Routine, and, and, and you know what? Listen to it, too. Maybe go to, uh, go to iTunes, leave a review. That always helps boost that stuff. Share this with a few friends. If you could share this with two of your friends this week, that would be enough for me. Next week, I'm going to ask you for three, but don't worry about it. This week, just find two people, be like, hey, I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of this guy getting drunk and screaming. So um, do that and follow, you know, follow at I am Mike Feeney on all social media. I got dates coming up, uh, which I'll talk about. But while I figure that out, Nicole, where are you going to be? Where can people find you? My Instagram's Nicole C. Lyons. I'll see you there. Boom. Um, did you do that? Did you really emphasize the C? You there for the Nicole C. Lyons part? I, I don't think I did. I'm really bad if you haven't been able to tell it, like inflecting certain ways mm -hmm. or adding a little emphasis here and there. It's very flat. Yes, you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Um, now, date's coming up. This is going to be great. December 10th and 11th, my birthday weekend, I will be at Laughs Comedy Club in Seattle. Those tickets are now on sale. Please go get them. Make me look good. We're doing four shows Friday and Saturday. It's going to be killer. I'm pretty sure I have um, 
Casey Balsham is going to be there. I think she's going to be featuring for me. She'll be on the show no matter what. That's going to be really fun. We're going to have a good time. The next week, I'm at Uncle Vinny's, December 16th. And then just added, I'm coming to Boston, baby. I'm coming to Boston. I have been to Boston twice in my life, but I've only for like occasions. I've never done comedy in Boston, which is crazy. Uh, Of all of the over 12 years I've been doing comedy, never did a show in Boston. So this will be my first show there. I'll be there January 20th at Laughs Boston, which is just, you know, one of the best clubs uh, I hear in the entire Northeast. So I'm excited to go there to Laughs Boston. Tickets, if they're not on sale, will be on sale very shortly. Let's pack that bish out so I don't uh, bish out, so I don't uh, really lose a ton of money. It's going to be great. We're going to have a fun time January 20th, Boston. And then I got more dates coming in. It's going to be very exciting. So MikeFeeneyComedy.com for dates and all that kind of stupid stuff and plugs and blah, 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 blah. Um, But anyway, let's get done with the plugs and get back to the drinks and to the show, really. Um, My dog is still dead asleep. I don't want to say his name when describing it because it will wake him up. And frankly, I feel like I'm actually a little lower energy than I normally am because I'm worried about waking him up. So I'm trying to be, (laughs) I'm trying. Oh, his eyes are open. Okay. Mm. All right. Now, what I would like to talk about, I'm going to bounce around here. Um, It's, it's, this is my fun way of going. Well, you know, it's Thanksgiving this week, and uh, the big holiday is coming up, the big turkey, you know? Imagine I just did that for the whole... I should do a full episode like that, just talking like a play-by-play announcer. Just be like, whoa, Thanksgiving, a lot of floats, people eating, having a good time, families fighting, all yelling about stuff, uncles racist, you know, all that stuff. But I will say, I'm excited. I'm very excited for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, in my humble and correct opinion, the best eating holiday of the year. And I dare someone to prove me wrong because I would go so far as to say it's not even close, okay? The only thing, the only other eating holiday that approaches Thanksgiving is Christmas. That's like the one, you know, everyone is like Christmas is the best because everyone, the family's together, there's gifts, there's snow, there's presents, and it's all that kind of thing. But here's the thing. Christmas is great, but the second Christmas is over, you have nothing to look forward to until April. You know what I'm saying? Like the second you leave the house where your family is hosting Christmas or if you're hosting, the second everybody leaves your house, you go, shit, it's going to be cold and miserable for the next three months. I want it to be spring. That's all there is to do with Thanksgiving. You get optimal eating food. You get the family togetherness. You get to overindulge. It's kind of like a nice stress relief. Even if your family sucks, it's still kind of fun to go back there. Admit it, you little curmudgeons. Oh, my family's all, they all, they all stink. Who cares? Shut up. Shut up. All right? But even with your thing, with your family, once you get done with your superior meal, then when you leave that house, you go, Oh my God, Thanksgiving's over. You know what that means? Christmas is coming. And then you have the excitement of Christmas. Then starts a full month of just jingle bells and Mariah Carey and, and, and Christmas lights. The city looks so beautiful during Christmas. Don't you wish they just did Christmas lights year round in New York City, Nicole? 
Yeah, I don't really see many of them at all ever. So I get really excited when I do see them. Yeah, this city really, it's a, it's a disgusting, dirty city that we live in. But for Christmas, they really know how to, you know, put the makeup on and put a little foundation on and like glamour it up a little bit. There's a little glamour shots for it. But it's, uh, it's definitely, Thanksgiving is definitely, but I'm so excited to eat uh, for Thanksgiving. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Here's the thing. I don't even know what's happening for Thanksgiving. Usually I go to my family's. I haven't been invited. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to Thanksgiving at my family's house because last year we didn't do anything because of COVID. But Erica and I went crazy and made a full Thanksgiving for just the two of us. I mean, we made a full turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes. Like We made a hundred sides. We were eating turkey and turkey-related Thanksgiving-like meals for upwards of a week and a half. But it's, it's so great. It's just that, that feeling of being like, I think it is it's the feeling of essentially binge eating, you know, where you go, I'm going to eat way too much food today. And you know what? That's fine. You know, you kind of don't even eat breakfast. You have some like little appetizers. You have a pig in a blanket, maybe a little cheese or something like that. You start drinking nice and early. And then by the time you get to that turkey and the tryptophan with stuffing and you just, it's just ready to lay on the couch. I am such a baby as I get older. I can't not fall asleep. I fall asleep Almost immediately, no matter where I am at a family's house, I just just go out cold instantly after eating for like a good 40 minutes. And then I come back and I'm like, round two. And then I eat again. And then I'll eat again later on at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm just very excited for Thanksgiving, if you can't tell. Nicole, do you share my enthusiasm? Yeah, I'm super excited. I'd like to ask you, what are your opinions on canned cranberry sauce? It's so interesting that you said that. And maybe this is a thing of us really starting to know one another, Nicole. Um, but when you said, I wanted to ask you, I somehow knew that the rest of your sentence was going to be my opinions on canned cranberries. and um, Not will you go to prom with me? Yeah, yeah. And here's an interesting, um, not so hot of a hot take of mine. They suck, all right? I don't like... It look it, when it comes out of the can and it makes that air suction noise and it hits the thing and it stays in that gelatinous wiggly form and it looks like a can of Alpo, you know, food that came out of there. It's so gross. I don't understand how or why it's like that, but I understand it has to be there. Kind of like if you get lamb, there has to be mint jelly around, even though like who the hell likes or wants mint jelly? I get it. It's just got to be there. It's just a stupid thing we've agreed to. But I think that we could elevate the cranberry sauce fucking, is it even sauce? I mean, it's not a sauce, right? It's like a solid. So it's a, what do you call it? Cranberry gelatin? What is it actually called? I think that is what it's called, sauce. Yeah, it ain't <clears throat> it ain't no sauce. My voice is leaving me because it's so disgusted by the cranberry. All right. No, I don't like it. Do you like it? I love it, but I know I'm not with the majority. I know it's pretty vile. Erica loves it too, and it's it's the thing that will cause our divorce someday is me going, that will not be on my table. And then she's like, well, I'm cooking it, so I'm doing everything. And I bought all these preparations, so you're going to shut the fuck up. And I go... Fine, but I'll complain about it on a podcast later when you're not home. And then that is how relationships work. It's about compromise, folks. Um, speaking of 
compromise. Um, here's something that doesn't have anything to do with those words. Uh, we had such, I had such a fun weekend this past weekend. We were, we were, uh, it was a New York comedy festival. So the shows have been crazy. Everyone's doing shows for the fest. And uh, Brendan Saglow and I produced a show called Unlikely Duos that we just were like, it was the first time we ever did it. We're like, let's see what happens where him and I would go on stage and host together. And then we had paired up a bunch of comics that had never been on stage together. And we paired a lot of like high energy, low energy to kind of see how it would go. So we had like Bonnie McFarlane and Sean Patton. We had uh, Matt Richards and Big Jay Okerson, Akash Singh and Casey Balsham, Greg Stone and uh, Robbie Sloak. Just absolute murderers, funny ass comedians. And as we expected, it went off without a hitch. It, everybody loved it. It was completely, it was sold out, which is awesome. Uh, Nicole was there. She was sitting around floating. So we'll have actually um, a cool video of that that we're going to have up uh, early on the Patreon. So another reason to get on the Tron. But Nicole, how fun was that show? It was so good. And weirdly enough, I feel like the pairs ended up being amazing together. They really did. You would think that they had been on stage before together because we just knew it. That you book really funny people. They're going to make it, you know, work. And and we we kind of had this thing, too. We set the expectations for the audience of like, this has never happened before. None of these people have ever been on stage. And what you're seeing, they're not going to just come up here and do their normal set. So what you're seeing is the first and only time you'll ever see this reaction because we don't know how it's going to go. And they're just going to wing it and riff and just try to be funny off the cuff. And all of them were. And they all killed in their own ways. And it was just so much fun. But there were... Two women in the front front row center of a sold-out comedy club. They were middle-aged women from Trinidad and Tobago, and they were just, just not having a good time. I mean, from the second the show started, just this, just stink face kind of looking, one wearing a mask, so even more like ominous, and you didn't know what was going on, and just hated everything Brendan and I had to say, and at one point... We were like, Brendan tried to be like, what can we do to make you laugh? And I'm like, don't give them this power. And she was like, just be funny, which is like, ow, or, you know, so hurtful. Um, And then, you know, everybody's talking to them and trying to turn them and stuff like that. And we're checking in with them during the show. And they're, they're, they're softening, but they definitely weren't raucously having a good time at any point of the show. But by the end of the show, I decided like we should end the show by asking how our friends at Trinidad and Tobago, what if they had a good time? And uh, we'll put up the video. Probably Nicole put it up probably right here. And it went like this. And wait, I think the most important thing before we end, because we're not going to come back on stage. Afterwards, the other comics are just going to pass the mic to another. I think since this was the first show, it's very important that we end the show asking the review of how this show went to our friends from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, Did you have a good time? Yes, we did. Yes, we did! This is how we do it. This is how we do it. All right, well, can't get better than that. How great. How great was that? I mean, these, it was just such a fun way to end the show because the audience wanted, the audience was all having such a great time. They were like, why aren't these two, like, so we were all invested as to why these two weren't having a good time, which is also very much something that's interesting of the therapy of comedians and the, and the, the you know, the mental aspect of it. 
there could be 140 people having a great time, and we focus on the two that weren't. But we turned them, as you saw by that video, and uh, and just Brendan breaking out into fucking Montel, is it Montel Williams? Montel Jordan? Who's Montel Williams? He was the talk show host. That was who he was. Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. I mean, just such a fun, I'm beatboxing at one point. I mean, it is just silly, crazy fun. So that's Friday night. Friday night goes great, spectacular, killer. Couldn't have had a better night. Saturday, I had to do New York's funniest competition, which is great. They take 10 stand-ups from across the country, showcase them, claim one to be the funniest comedian in New York City, which we all know is silly. Um, and I'm only saying that because I didn't win. But it was uh, it was such a fun show. 4 p.m., Caroline's, sold out. 350 people, completely walled, sold out. Crazy show. Um, and it was so much fun that it was like, I couldn't tell if it was the best 4 p.m. show I've ever done in my life or the only good 4 p.m. show I've ever done in my life. Comedy before 7 p.m. I mean, really before 8, but comedy before 7 p.m. is the stuff of nightmares, folks. I just want to tell you, if you produce a show out there, if you run a comedy club, if you're thinking about starting a show and you're like, what is a good time to do it? 8 to 10. That's it. Never anything later is a nightmare. Everything earlier sucks. You can't do comedy while the sun's out. It just is what it is, unless it's Gangfest and then everyone's on enough drugs they can't tell. So um, that was great. And then I did another spot at Stand Up New York, which was killer. Then I went to this uh, this party that the stand was having. I'm out there till 2 a.m. The whole weekend felt like this. It felt like Skankfest Part 2, but in New York, you know? So now it's back-to-back weekends of partying. I go to this party. I'm out till 3 in the morning. And then I realize, oh, my God, I'm in the basketball game on Sunday. And there is a New York Comedy Festival-sponsored basketball game. And it's the industry versus comedians and they do this you know they do this full court game 12 minute quarters four court a full game is what they do for out of shape comedians and industry people so we show up it's at this beautiful uh venue on 42nd street and it's like this i don't know what it, it looks like an equinox it's like a full indoor basketball court but they have a pool and a spa and a gym and a cafe and all these it's like really top of the line gorgeous so we go to play this game i would not realizing my sneakers, my basketball sneakers are about six years old at this point. Okay. They have no treads on them. They're, they're as, they're as grippy as my hands, you know, just nothing there at all. I try to start running on this wood floor indoor court. And I, I look like I am ice skating across. I'm just, I don't even have to pick my legs. Uh, I'm just swishing back and forth. Anytime I get the ball, someone's like pushing me and I'm trying to plant my feet and I'm just sliding backwards because I have no, I'm look, I'm look like I'm on an air hockey table is basically how it looked like I was playing. So like a hero, Anthony DeVito, hilarious comic, gave me his sneakers to play in. So when he was playing, I would sit. And when I was playing, he would sit. And then we would just put on, I, we would just put on his sneakers and just hang out. And the difference night and day was awesome. I'm just, I'm out, I'm like zipping around the court, having a good time. It was very fun. Um, and we play that game and we had the lead. But then in the end, the goddamn industry won, like they always do, fucking over the artists in the last second. Plus, they were paying the ref who, actually made a 
series of questionable calls against us, but I would expect nothing less from the industry, unless you're industry watching this, in which case, how you doing? Um, and after the, after the game, everybody, I'm the most sore I've ever been. I haven't done cardio in a year. I haven't played basketball in probably a year and a half because of the shoulder surgery. So I am heavy-legged and dying. But everybody makes the dumb mistake, Nicole. Everybody leaves, except myself and except my shoe partner, Anthony DeVito. Because I say to him, pal, I scoped this place out when we got here. And you know what they got? A steam room. And you know what they got? A jacuzzi. And you know what they got? A cold plunge. And you know what they got? Sauna. Let's go and enjoy this while we get in here before security takes us out by the neck. Let's, let's go and enjoy the facilities. So we go in there with our basketball shorts on and nothing else. And everybody that's in this place are athletes, Adonises, supermodels, just all gorgeous people. Anthony and I are fugly out of shape monsters compared to all of these people. They're all six foot eight, giant pecs. Every woman has just an hourglass figure. It's crazy. So we go into the steam room, which is was the biggest steam room I've ever been in my life. Bigger than my apartment. I'm in there. We're in this steam room having a good time. We go into the jacuzzi. We're having a good time. We go into the cold plunge, drop down under underwater and, you know, 50 to 40 degree water, having a good time. And then there's a shower that like rains from the ceiling that you stand under. And after that, we came out of there being like, I feel like I just got a goddamn massage. Like it changes. If you can get into that sort of like heat and cold therapy right after working out, I'm not sore anymore from it. But that the rest of the day, Davido and I, I think I fell asleep on the couch mid-sentence talking to Erica because I was so good. And then on the way out, we tried to be like, so what does it like cost? to like, if we wanted to sign up and they go, it's $250 a month. And then, and then you get this and that. And we are like, save the rest of your pitch. Don't worry about it. You know, they're like, well, classes are included and there's a cafe and there's a full gym on the 11th floor. We could show you it. And we go, nah, we're too tired to go all the way up to the 11th floor. And they're like, well, no, we have an elevator. And I'm like, eh, sounds like a whole thing. See ya. And then we just, and then we just left. And we're like the great facilities though. And they were like, you used them? you guys were playing basketball. We are like, no, afterwards we went around and they were like, oh, we didn't agree to that. Like they were very upset that we snuck in and that's why I loved it. They had a full indoor pool too. It was, uh, it was crazy. I'm gonna, I need this podcast to do well enough that I can afford to go to that place, okay? And then I could afford a guest pass and then I could take Nicole to that place because Nicole, you have to see it. It's an oasis in the city. It sounds insane. Mm-hmm. I will say too, watching that basketball game, my heart was breaking for Mike Cannon. Oh yeah. Yeah, Mike is um Mike's whole identity was basketball. So it would have been great. We could have used him, to be honest. We really fell apart in the end. But it was um it was very fun until that. But uh enough about this weekend, but it's been so great. It's been a very fun weekend. So sometimes you just want to share the fun of New York Comedy Festival, you know? It's it, it's a good time. Um all right, let's get to a question or two. This is great. Sometimes Sometimes I write stuff and I go, this is going to be, I'm going to talk about this for four seconds, like the Thanksgiving thing. And then it was, you know, 46 minutes. So we're good. Um, Here's a quick, some questions submitted again. Snarkypodcast at gmail.com. Send your questions in. It can be topical. It could be rant topics. It could be things that make you angry. It could be things you think might make me angry if you know me at all. Whatever you want, send them in. Snarkypodcast at gmail.com. So let's get to these from... 
Curtis. Um, this is a pretty good. He sent a bunch, which are fantastic. Number one, radio commercials with car and truck horns in them. Now, I fully agree how much these are awful, and I want to raise you sirens. Sometimes they put police sirens in commercials, on radio commercials, and you're like, who is that for? Is that just to startle me? Because it did, and now guess what? I'll go out of my way to never get your product. Any any car commercial, like, you know, that plays on the radio that has a like a tricky, annoying thing to try to get you remember it, like a little ear, like cars for kids, perfect example. They try to get that and they drone it on and on, and they've almost embraced how much it's universally hated and annoying. Um and now I will never donate my car to a kid. I will drive my car over a kid and then donate it to, you know, to dogs. I'll donate it to PETA. How about that? PETA gets my car that has a murdered child in the undercarriage. And then that's how I frame PETA for murder. I go, look at them. They were on their way to a bullpen protest and they ran over this kid recklessly. And now are you going to let them get away with that? And then they'll shut PETA down and then they'll leave the bullpen alone. And hopefully the family of that poor innocent child will will get the you know the justice they deserve from PETA, not from me. Uh, so yeah, fuck any of those people who have the car horns, the radio uh, truck horns, any sort of uh, police siren, get out of here. I hate it. You're done. Get away from me. And um, fuck off forever. How about that? Here's another one that I love. And Nicole, you're going to love this because we've really talked about this. And this is very fun for me. Clothing with fake pockets. Now, I know what I I know what you think you're saying, Curtis, and I'm going to blow your fucking mind, dude. Almost every article of clothing that you think has fake pockets does not have fake pockets. They're real pockets. You just have to they sell them stitched closed. So all your jackets, if you get like a pea coat or something like that, they'll be stitched closed. And you'll be like, oh, this isn't even a real pocket. This sucks. It is a real pocket. All you need to do is pull the thread from the stitching of it. And then you got multiple pockets, which I just recently blew the mind of Nicole explaining this to her. Nicole, did you ever go get your pockets back from your jacket that you thought never had pockets? No, I'll let you know, but I'm sure it does. It really did change my life because I was so pissed when I bought the jacket and realized it didn't have pockets. There isn't, I guarantee there is not an article of clothing that has the pocket flap that looks like a pocket that isn't a pocket. They all are actual pockets. Why they sell them stitched, I don't know, man. Maybe it's to keep it looking nice. Maybe it's so shit doesn't get in there. A cleanliness thing. Who knows why they do it? It's dumb that they do it that way, but they're real pockets. So Curtis, I'm telling you, pal, you got yourself some pockets. Go into your the, go into all of your clothes that don't that you think don't have pockets if they got the flaps and it looks like they're sewn shut it's because they're goddamn sewn shut and open them up and welcome to the wide world of pockets my friend all right and that goes for everybody here blow your mind next phone calls that could have been texts now this sucks and i think this is actually becoming more and more rare uh in in society because nobody likes to talk on the phone anymore um i do appreciate a phone call when I, like, uh, if, if something's too long to text, 
you know, even if it's a short topic, but like, I'll do that where I'm like, I could type two paragraphs or I could just call you, you know, like, and then they don't answer the call. So you have to text anyway. So, uh, but people who call you that it could have been a text, like, even if it's just like a, Hey, what's going on? And they call you to do that. I, I, you think I'd hate it, but I don't mind it anymore. I get so few phone calls and I call so few people that when I'm on the phone, it feels like a nice, it almost feels like nostalgia. You know, it's nice to just bullshit on the phone and you're like making coffee and doing other tasks and like kind of half paying attention and you don't really, you're really half saying anything anyway. I like a good phone call. What about you, Nicole? I do too. I walk dogs on the weekend and during my weekly dog walk, I call my grandma every single time. There you go. And it's really lovely. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And like when I'm on road trips, that's the only time I talk to my family. You know, it's like that's, if it weren't for road gigs, I'd never be able to talk to my family. I wouldn't have time. But on the road, I'm like, I got six hours. Let's let's find out how you're doing, you know? And that's, so it's good. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm pro the phone calls because I think there should be more of them. Um, and last but not least, we'll close out on this one. Talking on speakerphone in public. Now, this is for sure one of my least favorite things on the planet and want to hurt them badly every single time. Although, usually by capita and demographic if you broke it down it tends to kind of be one group or religion more than others so i can't get too serious about it because it might come off racist so whoops i just want to say stop fucking doing that okay because it's so obnoxious to walk around and be like yeah, you know, I'm just walking down the street and uh, a lot of weird people looking at me for some reason. You know, it's like, we're looking at you. because, And unless you're telling me, oh, my thing is broken, I guess, you know, that could be the only reason. I'm not sure, but I absolutely hate it. And it, it really frustrates me. And I just, I don't have much to say that isn't pure vitriol anger. You got to have some sort of AirPod situation. Get the corded ones if you want, or just hold it up to your ear. Like, that's the thing now, I think, with speakerphone. So many people, or on FaceTime, people just want to, like, broadcast their whole day to somebody as they're walking around. I like to not do that, you know? But there, here am I, a considerate human being. But here's what you do. You put the AirPods in, you take it off the thing. That way, even if you put AirPods in, you can still text and do whatever you want on your phone while you're on the phone call. The speakerphone, it's, um, it's the worst thing ever. Nicole, what do you think? Uh, firstly, just want to say I love the little slam poem you did to open this topic. Um, but that bothers me a lot, too. I feel like every single time I'm on like a, a Greyhound bus or an Amtrak, anything, the person next to me or directly behind me is like on a FaceTime call or on the phone to the point that once someone was sleeping on FaceTime with another person who was asleep. <laughs> And I was like watching it. And it was in front of me, glaring into my eyes on like a night bus. They were just sleeping together via FaceTime. I mean, that is that's got to be new love or something like that. But also to that end, if you're on a Greyhound bus, go ahead and talk on speakerphone. Who gives a shit? You're on a Greyhound bus. All right. If you're on a Greyhound bus, it's it's Thunderdome. There's no rules. You can do whatever you want. There's no laws of society. You're on a Greyhound bus. You think 
that it's deserving to spend $20 to get from New York to North Carolina and you're not willing to pay any more, you deserve speakerphone, all right? And you deserve sleeping FaceTime. You deserve all of it if you're on a Greyhound bus. Pay the $100, take a flight, and that way if they do it, people beat you within an inch of your life. That's how civilized society works. And that, my friends, is the show. So thank you very much for watching. We have covered a lot of ground on this episode, Nicole. We really got to the bottom of some stuff. Yeah, that's what I love about this show. It's such a wide range of topics. Yeah, I have no consistency in terms of my topic. I am all over the map. So uh, thank you for watching again. Tell some friends about it. And until next week, cheers.